Welcome to our second edition of the Northview Reads podcast. This one's going to go out February 1st, and we're going to talk about the scriptures that we're going to be read in the, reading in the coming months and talk a little bit about the reflections of what we have read in January. So my name's Crystal. I'm the pastor of discipleship at Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, and I'm joined by three other pastors who have been part of this Bible reading plan with me. So I'm going to get you to introduce yourselves. So Dolly, start off with you. I'm Dolly. I am the missions pastor. Yep. What else am I supposed to say? That's fine. Okay. You can start with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freddie. <laughs> My name is Freddie. I'm a pastor of young adults and I love Bible reading. So they invited oh, me. Oh, yes. I love it plan. too. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse. And I'm Jesse. I'm the community groups pastor uh, involved in men's ministry as well. And I'm here because... I like being on podcasts with Freddie. <laughs> we have lots of things to discuss. Freddie is the big draw for all of us here. <laughs> probably More not, than probably the Bible. Not. <laughs> yeah. uh, sanctification, Bible. knowing God. No, like we got to keep him on fun track. Personalities. So, yeah, totally. You know, if you're listening to this, that we've done a lot of work to keep him on yeah. track already, just to get this thing started. So. All of the WhatsApp. Yeah. Let's talk about the WhatsApp. We'll start there. No, yeah. no. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we are doing a chronological read through the Bible plan this year at Northview. And we have a paper and pen version that people actually have to read through the Bible in their own Bible, not an electronic version, which has caused some kerfuffle. Although we have some um, options coming up for that. And then we also have a WhatsApp group where people can post their comments on what they're reading. And so we thought we'd just, before we get into reflections on the Bible, talk about how has this been going so far? What have you guys experienced and noticed online or in person with people talking about the plan? Jump in. Well, definitely there was a lot of kerfuffle, as you said, a lot of conversation at the beginning, not related to the text. As people were getting used to the platform, definitely died down and more focused. But I think it's been good. Some people's comments are awesome. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You notice, Freddie, like your young adult group is like very much into everything electronic. And so the fact that we didn't have an app for this was kind of threw some people, right? Yeah. Well, and I think like... So for the record, I did email you version and I asked if they would let us be content creators like as Northview. Yeah. And I just never heard back. So I imagine they get all kinds of requests. So that that had been tried. So I think maybe we could have communicated a little bit better that the WhatsApp group is a messaging platform. Like it has no involvement with no integration, if you will, with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the young adults are already reading on their phone. So I think most of them were willing to just switch back and forth between apps uh, because they do anyways, right? If you've ever been around a young adult, you know, like they're, they got their B-reel and then they're texting and then they're watching something on Instagram or tweeting something like it's very normal. Um, so I think in kind of as we rolled it out, you could see a little bit of a disparity between kind of age brackets and how they're using it. Um, but by God's grace, we seem to have been past it. And yeah. now we're kind of, now it's just Bible, which yeah. is, that's the goal, right? Yeah, we should be right. talking about the Bible, not yeah. how to talk about the Bible. And if people have questions on it, like I said a couple of times in the group chat, just email us at discipleship at discipleship at northview.org and we'll help set up any kind of technical stuff we need. But yeah, it's been going well. We have 164 people on the WhatsApp group. Um, we have maybe 10 or 12 regular kind of contributors. What what kind of thoughts do you guys have about how to contribute? What would be a good way to contribute? Is our goal to have all 164 contribute? Thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, for me, I, I'd want to make sure there's an invitation to contribute, regardless of how many others already have. And exactly, yeah. M- maybe one of the impressions that might be out there is like, I'm going to comment something in a group of people largely. I maybe don't even know them personally. Some of them are pastors. 
do I have something meaningful to like? How many times do I need to proofread this before I totally. post it exactly. and, not, and don't look yeah. like kind of dumb? And it's like Put no, it no, no, like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no punctuation errors. No, like I think there's just an invitation. Like if you've got a question about you know the text you're maybe maybe that's all it is. is you, I don't know what this means. Somebody somebody weigh in on this. Like it, it doesn't have to be like you know this every single time like you have to sound like you had seven paragraphs that like yeah. wow like that that put freddie in his place like <laughs> like it doesn't like, <laughs> dunked on that guy <laughs> take that yeah so just that would be one thing for me is like you know the the invitation is there for everybody to to jump in and participate mm -hmm. i found surprising um some people's comments on like just good questions they've had like mm -hmm. How do we understand Elihu in yeah. Job, right? Like yeah. he's the only one that doesn't get chastised by God. What it, why is that? Is that because as some commentators will say, well, he was too young. He didn't even deserve a chastisement. Or some people will say because he was partly speaking truth, right? So there's mm. been some good questions and some really thoughtful things that people have posted. Yeah. Yeah. Some surprises too, like, oh, this person has some good content. So really good yeah, thoughts people have written. Yeah. And then there's just been a lot of encouragement of people giving thumbs up or hearts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that resonated with me too, yeah. or those kind of things. So, well, and honestly, that's my favorite part. Like when I had one this morning, well, I guess it dated, but like the 30th, January, 29th, yeah. 29th of January. Um, and it, when you see someone else see the same thing that you did, like it's a very like powerful confirming experience where I'm like, I think confidence is a challenge for most of us when we read the Bible because, mm -hmm. you know, you, all of us have a favorite Bible teacher and we're like, I could never, you know, talk or read mm -hmm. or understand like him or like her. And I'm like, I, well, I don't want to post. Right. And then you post something and you're like, well, I hope it was good. Right. And, and you're like, well, the point wasn't that I'm posting. Right. The point was that I read. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you yeah. see another person, another yeah. Christian filled by the spirit. And they're like, dude, I saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, that is my favorite part when I'm like, not because I, I mean, it's nice to be agreed with, I guess. Um, but when multiple Christian people are seeing the same thing and taking away the same thing from a text, that it's more likely that it was there. And, I'm, and it's a powerful reminder that God uses the mundane practice of, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day. Like most people maybe have a quiet time, but not all of them. Like I got, I got little kids. So like sometimes my son joins me as we read and holds the highlighter and I tell him, don't bump me. And he proceeds to bump me. So I have squiggly highlighter marks in my Bible, but it, that's the... Like that's the spiritual formation of just regular Bible reading mm -hmm. that over a lifetime like shapes people in powerful ways. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say too, I really appreciated the gentle nudging of this moving away from the U version app to me opening my Bible again because mm -hmm. I found it um, easy to listen to Scripture on the app, and then I would be distracted with something else. But now I'm being more focused in actually reading and highlighting and, oh, I read that yesterday. It's right there instead of going backwards in my app, um, things like that, and actually writing things down. So for me personally, it's just helped me be more focused. So I know some people love to listen as they drive and they commute, and so it makes sense. I don't have a far commute, so this I have to be intentional to sit down and read and write, and I've appreciated that for myself. So. Yeah, so we have had some people in the congregation when they kind of saw that people were really wanting that version of the, like the online or audio version, some people stepped up and said, well, I can produce that for people. And so we've actually, if you go onto the website now, um, uh, Richard McKenzie and Martin Knauber have kind of given us links to uh, a Logos Bible reading app, or like it links into like a reading program that can open on Logos. And then Richard did one for um, ESV audio. So people mm. can go now Ooh. for the February plan and they can do the audio cool. link every day and cool. 
and read it that way. So, but it's not in WhatsApp. It's not in it's WhatsApp. Not. You access no. it through the, the website. website. Yeah. Just did everyone hear that? Yeah. Through the website. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. But Please don't give... chat me. <laughs> don't message me. It'll give the option. Yeah, yeah. For people that specifically want to listen on yeah. audio. Yeah. So yeah. So I think it's good. I love the fact that people in the congregation just kind of stood up and said, "Hey, well, I can help out with that," because we didn't have yeah. a, a U version app. So that was a great. When is a team moment for right. congregants that way? So what we're going to do is spend the next couple of minutes just looking back on what we have read, and then we're going to look forward to what we will be reading. So in this last month, we've read Genesis 1 to 35. Well, we'll finish 34 and 35, I guess, tomorrow. Um, we have read Job, and we've read Matthew 1 to 20. So Jesse, talk us through Genesis 1 to 35, what have been kind of some highlights, some review pieces for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love that we're doing the whole Bible, first of all, like just Take, it, take you back to texts that maybe you haven't been in in a while or perhaps ever in mm-hmm. some cases. But I, one of the things that struck me going back to, you know, these early chapters of the Bible, specifically in Genesis, was like how many things are just foundational to the rest of the story from that point on. Totally. Like yeah. I was... <clears throat> I've been having more conversations with uh, one of my kids, my, my seven-year-old, and he, oftentimes he's, he just, he'll ask anything about anything he's heard in kids' church or wherever. And, uh, I, you know, as I'm responding to him, I was thinking about this in the car ride, even this morning as he was asking me some questions, like almost every question he's asked, I'm required to pull back from content in Genesis hmm. to shape an answer for him. And so there's so many things that, that right from the start help us to get the story right from the start so that you you have you know stuff about like how how did we get here like why why is there evil in the world like why why does things just seem so chaotic and and messed up is this this how it was always supposed to be and all those sorts of things and just so just the usefulness of going back to that to get to get us set on the right course for the rest of the story and and not just understand the story at a conceptual level but like this is where we're going to have to draw from if we're going to answer people's real big questions as we you know seek to help them know god and know his story so yeah it's been really encouraging i mean i go off forever about just stuff about the covenants like just man like Mm. genesis 12 genesis 15 like those like just just profound to see like god's heart and and what he is going to do to accomplish his purposes so just other little highlights like that have been great yeah like we had mentioned at the like on our last podcast genesis 12 15 17 the covenant god makes with abraham is basically what then kind of pushes the whole story through the whole Old Testament. Like, how is God mm-hmm. going to bless the whole world through this person who eventually becomes a nation of Israel, yeah. who eventually Jesus comes through? Like, so that's kind of a thread that once you know those promises, they come up over and over and over again. Like, they came up again in Genesis 26 to Isaac, and then they'll come up again to Jacob, and um, they just keep coming up, and God keeps reaffirming and, and developing them as the Old Testament goes. So, yeah, those are huge. How about Job, Freddie? Anything uh, you want to say about Job? Yes, yes. You know, I had a couple of conversations with young adults who were like, ah, buddy, you know, 40 chapters, 42 chapters. Like, ah, I, uh, it, it was good. It was good. And, <laughs> and like, it, it was, right? But I'm like, if you were in a Bible reading plan, like whether chronological or, you know, the more thematic, like you wouldn't read probably. Mm-hmm. Like you would read Job 1 and 2 and maybe a full, like, maybe to chapter eight, seven, and then you skip a bunch until you get to 38 and then you read 38 to 42 and then you're like, okay, yeah, 42, you know, the God, the father, Yahweh dunks on them and you know, <laughs> everyone stay in your lane, the, the, the end. Um, <laughs> it, it, cause it is repetitive. Right. And I, I was super encouraged to see kind of that, 
dialogue in the group chat on Elihu. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is. That's one of the big questions in the book. Like, how should we understand the the dialogue between the characters? Um, and I, I, I talked to my wife about it a couple of times. Where I'm like, she's like, they they're really like they give strong theological answers. Like they're they're outlining like the doctrine of total depravity. Like they they everyone sins. Um, so it, it, the book is kind of awkward and like it's very repetitive. The bad guys, quote unquote, say right Some good things. things. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, lots of good things. Right. Yeah. Like the, I guess in the end, I think like in terms of how I understand the book, like the error is that they give an, a a black and white answer. You are suffering because you sinned, and I'm like, you you can't say that. Like we mm-hmm. don't we don't know. Like mm-hmm. they are putting themselves in the place of God, which is why they get rebuked. I think. And yeah. Ellie, who says very similar things, but he never teaches causation. Like he never attributes Job's suffering to his own wickedness. He simply advocates for the character of God. And this harmonizes really well with John chapter nine, where you have the man born blind and the disciples ask a very similar question to Jesus. Like who sinned this man or his parents, right? Because all suffering comes from sin. And I'm like, well, that is a true theological statement. If you mean all suffering originates in Adam's first sin, and then, you know, is passed along Mm -hmm. through his like, Progenitors? What is it called? What's the word? I don't know. I'm ESL, so it doesn't matter. Shouldn't use the <laughs> word. Progeny? Progeny? Whatever. The number of people who came after him. Um, but Yeah, in the sense it, that if we were in the garden still, there would yes, be no suffering. Totally. But whether so, it's related to a specific particular sin. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm like, and I think just empirically, none of us truly believe that every bad thing in our life is caused by our sin. Or we would never have good things. I'm like, all of us sin, right? Like, that's foundational to Christian theology. So the... The book is a great, a, a very drawn out example, if you will, of having good theology, but terrible practice, right? We're trying to give an answer where sometimes you, you don't really need to, or maybe only give the answer that people ask you to answer. Uh, and so in, in that way, I thought the book was a great, like it was a great read. It was repetitive. I fully, I fully admit that. Um, but again, I only read the whole book because it was in the reading plan. And if it was up to me, I probably would have skipped a few chapters, right? And I, I'm grateful that all of us read through. We had good dialogue. Um, like that's what makes it fun. I think. Yeah, poetry is kind of an uncommon um, literature style for us, right? We don't generally plow through that, and then it, yeah. to go through a bunch like three chapters at a time, it feels like it's different than reading three chapters of story. Oh, and then it's like three pa- chapters of dialogue around theology. <laughs> so when they say yeah, the same thing, yeah. like you sinned and I'm like, okay, it's because you kept back your hands from the poor. I'm like, okay. So he definitely did. Like, do you not know that God is righteous? I'm like, yes, I believe that. And you drink iniquity like water. I'm like, okay, I think that's also true. So like it, it, this, it's full, like Joe would be a great book to, preach through like all those middle chapters in like one liner. Here's what we learn about who God is. Here's what we learn about human sin. It's a terrible book to preach through. And like, this is what causes suffering. Uh, Cause that's why they get rebuked. They don't, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, Job is a good antidote to prosperity gospel kind of teaching, right? For sure. Because they're basically a lot of that would be similar to like our worldly advice. Like you put good into the universe, you're going to get good back. Mm-hmm. And Job's yeah. story is like, he put all kinds of good into the universe and had lots of suffering. And so we can't expect this kind of yin and yang uh, world that everything that we do, if we're quote unquote good people, is going to result in good for us. So we're at the mercy of this fallen world, regardless of what we do and who we believe in. Not at the mercy, but we're in this fallen world, relying on God in the midst of it. So yeah, Matthew, what would you have to tell us, Dolly, about what we've done in Matthew? 
Well, it's been fun to go back into Matthew as a participant also of the Matthew Bible Studies mm-hmm. because it's just bringing back, because we last time we were in Matthew was like a year ago. So bringing that back and bringing the context back in. Yeah. And so these first 20 chapters is really the progression of his life uh, from birth on to getting ready for his ministry and then ministry and then um, his discourses, his speeches. And then we're going to jump into like the last week of his life in the next month. So it's really just a good start of the Gospels in general um, and then in the life of Christ from the beginning on. So yeah. Yep. It's been encouraging for me to see, oftentimes you're reading something in the Old Testament and then something Jesus does kind mm. of connects. reflects, connects yeah. that. Like you see, mm-hmm. like even today, right? We see um, the, in Matthew 20 or mm. 19, it was the story of um, God giving um, the workers the same kind of amount of money, mm. depending on when they, not depending on when they started during the day, right? Oh, the and so we see this, in the, vineyard. the yeah. labors in the vineyard. So yeah. we see this, like his amazing grace. And then we go back to Genesis and we see like his amazing grace towards Jacob, who was kind of shyster and deceiver and all <laughs> yeah. these things and you see like both those things are playing and out complaining in about ways. all the totally. years of labor and not being you know compensated for it yeah right? and yet so. he's coming back to yeah. his land with like all these yeah. sh- crops and family yeah. and yeah. yeah so just seeing those ideas kind of paralleled in mm-hmm. the old testament text and the new testament text so looking ahead uh, we are going to read genesis 36 to 50 so finish the book of genesis then we're going to read all of exodus and start into Leviticus. So Genesis 36 to 50, as people prep to read that, Jesse, what kind of things should they keep in mind? What what are they going to encounter? Yeah, well, I think it's been helpful that we got to go back to Genesis after taking a little bit of a break in, in Job. So you, obviously we can lean on some of the context, kind of follow the follow the story as it goes, because we, we're going to continue with these with this family. We're going to continue with you know, the descendants of, of Abraham. I was, I was thinking about the, we're not going to be there for that many days in the in the month, and a large part of that time is going to be spent with the, the character of Joseph mm-hmm. and just this immense betrayal and justice from within his own family and what, what he goes through for the next several years and thinking through, like, to, to, to watch for, okay, on the one hand, you have the activity of these human characters. Uh, some make some really bad choices, evil choices, um, and Joseph kind of is, you know, impacted by these choices at, at every turn. And, and I'm, you know, just trying to think through it, you know, as we're reading this nowadays, we, we, we're reading a story that seems maybe disconnected from our experience. We all have our own individual responsibilities, pressures, all these different things in life. And it can sometimes feel like, okay, well, how does, how does what I'm going through relate to the larger story of God? And this is what I, I, I'm trying to like anticipate watching in Joseph is, He's got all these different things happening in his individual story, and and in the background this whole time, God is God is doing something, uh, working towards His good purposes as He has been doing since you know Genesis three and and moving forward. But you get to this point at the end of the end of the book, and it's like he has this perspective, like okay, everything that happened to me, you know, man meant these certain things for evil, but God meant them for good. And, and and as we see that as a case study in Joseph, I, I, I hope we can kind of, you know, view our own lives in the same way, you know, post Jesus now going like, okay, we know, you know, places like Romans 8, that, that all things are going to work together for good of those who, you know, love him and are called according to his purpose. And so to try to keep in mind that like, we even if we don't understand 
you know, over the even years, like Joseph is in this scenario for years, yeah. and it's like there's no immediate quick fix. There's no immediate like God show me the good you are working out of this, and and maybe that for some of us who are participating in this plan, going like, I I I relate. <laughs> I I haven't seen some good for a while, and I, there's no way it seems like God could possibly be be working something in here. Just to be reminded again, don't get bogged down in the activities of these human characters, but try to try to keep in mind that there's a God in the background at times more in the background than than it seems like he's even around that is still still moving still working still faithful uh to move his good purposes forward and so i'm looking forward to revisiting that story um and how that can be helpful for us to today yeah like it says specifically like joseph was in prison and god was with him Mm -hmm. right and we think Mm -hmm. so often when we're in those dark hard places god isn't with us or god's Mm -hmm. abandoned us but it says and god was with him and god Mm -hmm. made his hand prosper and Mm -hmm. He was in there until the right time for him to be appointed to prime minister. But that was a long time, yep. right? So mm-hmm. sometimes we have to wait in these seasons of waiting um, until God's purposes and he does stuff in our character and in our in our own lives in the midst of that waiting um, for his deliverance. But it can be long, but it doesn't mean God's not with us in the mm-hmm. midst of those hard times. Totally. And I, I, one of the things that... It, kind of interesting and in going from Job then back to Genesis is mm-hmm. you kind of like two sources of, of suffering, right? You have a supernatural mm-hmm. opponent and this adversary character, the Satan, right? And then now in, in people, mm-hmm. right? And like that is, that's a Christian experience, right? You mm-hmm. have opposition from supernatural being, a supernatural being that wants you to suffer and wants to take away your, you know, satisfaction in the Lord, your comfort in salvation. And you also heard from people or sometimes our own bad decisions. So it's cool to see as we work through the book, like it, it's a pretty good kind of summary of Christian life. Like we suffer because of people, we suffer because of Satan, we suffer because of our own bad choices, right? And in all of it though, that great hope is God is still working, right? Mm-hmm. We mean to we mean it for evil, Satan meant it for evil, they meant it for evil. God means it for good, right? In Genesis fifty. So something to look forward to mm-hmm. for people who may be hurting or maybe are hoping to not be hurting. Mm-hmm. So good stuff in the book for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we end the book of Genesis with Joseph's whole family. So like Jacob and all the brothers moving down into Egypt. And then the book of Exodus enters up, enters. We start. years yeah. later. Well, yeah, a couple hundred years later, it yeah. says that the Pharaoh that was now in place didn't remember jo- Joseph. And the, mm-hmm. this nation has grown into a couple hundred thousand people. If you mm-hmm. look at numbers later on in the, in the text, and they're enslaved and they're being treated harshly. And we start, you know, right away with the story of Moses. And Exodus is this great story of deliverance, of mm-hmm. God saving his people, remembering these promises to Abraham. Like I said, specifically, like God remembered his promises and he saw the suffering and he knew what they were going and he decided to act. And so, we, again, a great picture into who God is in the midst of human suffering. And so the first 15 chapters or so are of that kind of describing that scenario of the suffering that they are in and Moses being called then to be the deliverer and Moses coming and the 10 plagues and then Exodus 14 they go through the Red Sea which most of us who kind of have been in Bible studies Mm -hmm. or in Sunday school should know that story and then it's a whole bunch of wandering through the wilderness and getting the law and getting instructions on the tabernacle kind of God's instructions for how to be faithful to this God that delivered them, what it looks like to live as his people. There's descriptions about kind of the nation of Israel as God's royal priesthood and holy nation, which are pictures that come up throughout the Bible of how we're supposed to kind of conduct ourselves as God's Mm -hmm. people. So there's so much foundational ideas and imagery in the book of Exodus that 
if you just read it as kind of flannel graph stories, you don't really see. But if you look at some of the, like, as you read some of these phrases in Exodus, like um, God revealing himself to Moses in Exodus 33-ish, where he talks about him you know, being a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love like that. Those four little phrases come up over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again in the new, in the Old Testament and New Testament, talking about the character of God. So mm-hmm. just super foundational pieces. We also have the golden calf story mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of, we have like the giving of the law and then in the middle of the giving of the law and, and God giving Moses instructions on how the people should worship. God says like, go down there back to the people because they're making a mess of things. And so we have their first like real big punishment from God. And um, again, we see a picture of God's mercy and grace towards this people that don't deserve it because they have so quickly turned away from him and turned to worshiping idols. And so um, I, I had to do a, one of my very first classes at Regent. Uh, we had to finish off our course by doing like a visual representation of a book. And I did one of Exodus. Mm-hmm. And I basically just had the words I am on the page and then fit the whole book of Exodus into those oh, two cool. words because that's what it is. It's all yeah. about God introducing himself to these people that don't really know him, who he is, his character, mm-hmm. his deliverance, his salvation, what it looks like to worship him, what it looks like to follow him. And uh, we did it as a Bible study I don't know, six or seven years ago. And I was talking to a gentleman from the men's Bible study in the hallway just at Christmas time. And he still got, he said, he still got kind of emotional. He said how much he loved Moses and how he much, sure. how sad he was to leave him at the end of the book of Exodus. Because no. <laughs> it was just, you get this heart for this guy that's yeah. trying to lead these hundreds of thousands of people through the wilderness, being opposed at every turn. Yeah. And the book ends, uh, spoiler alert, but the book ends with Moses kind of on the top of the mountain They've constructed this tabernacle for worship and God's spirit just descends on it with such power that they're all pushed out of this and are just in awe of this God that they worship. And so it's this beautiful picture of him rescuing his people and showing them how to worship him and who he is. So as you read Exodus, just look for a lot of those pieces about his character, his nature and what he's calling his people to do and how they should live. Amen. I like that yeah. word. I like that word awe. Like that's if you're if you're feeling like, oh, like where is you lost maybe that sense of wonder over who yeah. God is and you're just so familiar with these stories. And it's like, try to sit back and just try to absorb again, like, wow, like this this could put you in a position of awe having gone through it again. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, even the Mount Sinai kind of with the law coming down, it's just like this picture of like this mountain trembling and yeah. and smoke and trumpets and like God's yeah. trying to yeah impress upon them how great of a God he is. So, and then we go from there to Leviticus. Yes. Which is what, Freddie, yes. what are you going to tell us about Leviticus? Well, you know, actually, I'll, I'll kind of follow suit what you're saying. So if, if Exodus says, I am, then Leviticus is kind of like, you are. God is telling his people, here's like, this is what it means to be in a relationship with me. When I said, you're my royal priesthood, you know, in mm-hmm. Exodus 6, 7, like, th- this is what life together looks like. And you have like the passage, or I guess the, the chunk that we get is a bunch of sacrifices, probably for the first like eight chapters. Like, here's how you, how you give a peace offering. And eventually you get to the guilt offering chapter 16 and there's some narrative mixed in of like some rebellion unfortunately mm-hmm. um but like the book of leviticus is we mostly talk about it when people will quote either sarcastically or like genuinely like the kind of leviticus 18 and leviticus 20 like on sexual ethics but i'm like it that's not the only thing the book talks about like it, it's it is life with god so if God is the I am, God is the one who shows up and rescues people from slavery, then well, you free someone for something, right? And so 
he's describing, here's life with me. Here's the sacrifices that you must keep in order to maintain relationship. And then it moves right into ethics. Like this is the kind of people you must be. So, I mean, some of the language for sure is old. Like some of the concepts we actually can't keep. Uh, we like, we don't have boundary markers. We're not, we don't pass land down by family name in a very specific promised land. Um, Cause we're not following the, you know, land people blessing promises from Genesis. So th- there is a gap like in, you feel it in Leviticus between their story, kind of if you're following the Simeon trust box, understanding their story and connecting to ours. Um, but I just, as I was kind of glancing ahead, looking through it, I was reminded, you know, like God, God cares about the kind of people we are. And in that sense, their story, it, very similar to mine then. Like I, Lord willing, I'm a different person today than I was 10 years ago. And again, in, in a, a decade, if, if you look at me now, if I'm the same dude, then I'm like, something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I, then I obviously didn't see God on the mountain, right? And for the Christian, I'm like, well, God is actually inside of you. So he's not on a mountain, he's in your heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you should be different. So I I think as you read through Leviticus over this next month, don't view it as it's a bunch of stuff from someone else's story and weird laws about weird things. It's no, it's God directing his people. Here's who you are. And by necessity, then this is how you live. And some of that we for sure can can borrow from and mimic in, in our day. Yeah. And if you have questions on that, I know some people, that's one of those apologetic kind of questions. Like why we don't follow all the laws. So why do we follow some of the laws and you know how do we understand that so we've done some work on that that we could send you we have like a little pamphlet or whatever two-page thing on you know how the old testament and new testament are combined that way and what you know what stays the same what isn't the same so if that's confusing to you happy to help with that it ends uh the old testament section ends with psalm 90 and 91 which is interesting because we jump into the psalms but that's because it is a psalm Mm -hmm. written by Moses, moses right so it's the oldest psalm it's not at the beginning of the psalm book um, because Psalm 1 starts with Psalm 1, which kind of sets the whole thing in motion. But Psalm 90 is written by Moses, and so that's why our month ends with that. Uh, Matthew. So we're going to continue Matthew and then go into Mark. So Dolly, tell us uh, what we should think about as we start or end off Matthew and then go into the book of Mark. And just thinking specifically kind of how Mark is different Mm. than Matthew style audience, that kind of stuff. Well, Matthew 21 starts with the last week of Jesus' life um, from the triumphal entry up to his death and mm-hmm. resurrection. So last week plus, because there's days after his resurrection mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I actually look forward to seeing what kind of connections there will be as we read the Old Testament Exodus parallel with this. Right. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the salvation story of the re- um, of redeeming the people from, from s- slavery to our own salvation story of us being redeemed because of Christ's death and resurrection. So anyway, that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping for. So that's that. And then Mark, so it'll feel like, oh, now we're starting another gospel over. It'll feel like we're going backwards. But come with it with an eye of a different viewpoint because he does write it differently. He writes more concisely and more like with more urgency. Like he often, his words say, and then immediately he did this and mm-hmm. then they did that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like really jumpy but he, um, it's a very interesting take as well um, as we look at the first half of Mark, which again will be Christ up until his time of uh, death and resurrection. So that will be the last half of Mark. Yeah, we've got nothing 
before his ministry starts. Like basically, yeah, he Mark jumps starts right into ministry. Jesus being baptized yeah. right away, and yeah. here we go. None of his birth no, narratives. No childhood. Or, no, no preparation. No Christmas. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus is here to work. Yeah. yeah. And yet, at the same time, like the the other thing about going through the Gospels in the next few months, because Mark is the second one, um, we will get uh, a lot of different perception perspectives. Yes of Jesus and as well like always the big focus will be his death and resurrection yeah and we'll get to see different angles of that and Mark does bring a different angle as well so what do you know about his audience do you know much about Mark's audience or if he was an eyewitness of Jesus well Mark that's the difference between Mark and Matthew Matthew was a disciple of Jesus Mark uh, we don't know for sure if he was an eyewitness. He may have at some points crossed paths, but he was a closer friend of Peter mm-hmm. and a cousin of Barnabas, according to commentaries. Um, so he was a secondary uh, witness. He's not an eyewitness. but So his writings would be a lot more um, based on what Peter had said and what Peter experienced. Right. So that's why he made it into the Bible, because of that. And um, he would have been one of the companions of Paul on some of the missionary journeys as well, at least the first one. Um, So he writes more to Christians, uh, Gentiles, more of a Gentile audience, where Matthew is more to a Jewish audience. So there'll be differences in writing in that sense as well. Yeah, Matthew's so much about, and this was was done to fulfill the prophets, to fulfill the scriptures. He's very much wanting to show the Jews that whatever happened was a a A continuation of of their story and a fulfillment of it, yeah. yeah. So that would be the biggest, the biggest difference between those two. Yeah. So let's just talk generally about Gospels. How do, because we're doing John mm-hmm. then in our weekend service. Yeah. So we got like four different Gospels going on. I love it. Yeah. Matthew in Bible study and now Mark in Bible reading plan, John in the weekends. Um, how do we understand different Gospel accounts all being true? Well, I, one of the things that I think this is illustrative of mm-hmm. is that like, everyone wanted to know about Jesus. So like one gospel wasn't enough. Like the, you know, that probably Mark was the first one. And if you read commentators, someone will argue that there was, you know, a fifth gospel that none of us have. And I'm like, doesn't really matter. We have the Bible God meant us to have. So, you know, they start writing these stories and as they're writing as inspired by the spirit, according Mm -hmm. to second Timothy three, 16 and 17, then you're like, well, there's, there's more to say actually. And, you know, and John, it probably does the best job of showing his like purpose statement and mm-hmm. at the end of his gospel he's like well i wrote these so that you would believe and by believing has like have life in his name so every single gospel writer is intended like they are apologists right like if you think of andy stagger's you know apologetics ministry like we we want to give people a, a good answer for the hope that is in us so there were people like it if they believed that jesus was god that he could save people from their sins that he could give us eternal life they they want to share that story and everyone wants to know that story. So then what you need is you need an authorized, you know, if you can't get an autobiography, then you want like the biography from the dude who was there, right. who followed him around. And that's what you have. You have apostolic authority and that these guys followed Jesus, walked with Jesus, or interviewed someone who did, yeah. and they wrote everything down. And then everyone was still around. Like people were still alive when these were well, written. Well, that's the point too. Mm-hmm. Like the eyewitnesses were starting to die off, totally. right? So and they needed, they needed something. Yeah. It's not the same age where we have a video of the original, right? <laughs> Which it's also like, accounts for some of the differences, right? Right, because, yeah. because it's a different focus, a different audience, a yeah. different writer. So, and they, and people, believers were scattered. Totally. So you would have a different emphasis as, as they wrote, different emphasis. So, 
yeah, like different oh, go ahead, different vantage points, right? Yep. Like it, it makes a difference, and you see kind of that like that desire. The faith was growing, right? Even in Mark writing, if he's a second generation Christian, like that they wanted to pass this on. They thought this story needed mm-hmm. to be passed on. Yeah, and John at the end of his gospel says like. There would be like libraries full of books if everything was written about them. So everybody yeah. had, like, even I was trying to get a book. One of my um, friends' sons is really into World War II history, so I tried to get like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, like kids kind of version. Cool. And like you look at Bonhoeffer biographies, and there's like whatever, twelve or fifteen. It's a, Jesus is, it's a biography, right? People are trying to write biographies of him, and they're all different. All of the Dietrich Bonhoeffer biography writers are going to choose different aspects to mm-hmm. highlight, different stories they want to bring out for a certain purpose. That was the same with. With gospel writers there's a scene in the chosen if you guys watch that show where i think it's the beginning of season two the character who's john sits down and he says well i know matthew mark and luke already told them all these things so i'm gonna write this and yeah. it's kind of that feeling like well, they kind of yeah, knew john, what each other was writing yeah. and his is so different his 90 yeah. percent of his content is unique right yeah compared to the other three and that's why they're called the synoptics because there's there is similar content there but john he was probably the last one to write and would have come with a different perspective just because of that. Now, years have passed. Now let me write so that people can believe. Yeah. So, Fill in some of those other yeah. details mm-hmm. or whatever. Organize it a different way. Another example I heard that really helped me kind of think through this is that it's not a photo. People aren't getting photographs of Jesus, like you said. There wasn't video cameras. Yeah. But people are painting like a portrait. And when you paint a portrait of somebody, you kind of arrange materials. And you might have somebody looking wistfully in one direction like there's there's a pictures of queen elizabeth i often show at bible study where ones of her as a young woman and ones of her kind of in her crown and with a regal you know Mm -hmm. all the all the regalia around her they're both queen elizabeth they're both true but they're just emphasizing different aspects of Mm -hmm. who she is about her role about her function about and so i think the the gospel writers are doing that with words with words they're painting this portrait of who jesus is as they encountered him so anything else that you guys want to say about different accounts the portrait image i think is super helpful because it gives us an opportunity to see that different authors are emphasizing different things they use slightly different language but they're they're trying to accurately capture the story right so matthew says kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of god not because he rejected the concept but because he just speaks a slightly different way right and what we have in in all of these authors is they're trying to capture you know a three-year public ministry and fit it into, you know, the longest is 28 chapters. Like that that's yeah. not that much, right? No. If, if, you know, for those of you who still listen to Jeff Buckton preaching, right? Like you, he uses a lot of the same stories, right? Like preachers do that. So Jesus walked around, there were always crowds. So what actually made it into the Bible? Well, it was at the discretion of the author. So then what we need to know, like, and again, this is where Doctor of Scripture is super important. It wasn't just four dudes giving you like, here's what I think happened. They're interviewing people. And then the scripture teaches us God was in that process so that whatever they wrote down was what God wanted to be remembered. So it's not an autobiography. The Bible isn't in the sense that God wrote it. But it is an autobiography in the sense that God is responsible for everything that came through it. So we have four Gospels because God in his providence said, you need four Gospels. There's three years of public ministry. And I want people like Mark and third generation Christians like Timothy to believe. And, you know, I don't know how many generations have passed since then to now. But Lord willing, there will be a thousand generations of faithful Christian people that could trace their lineage all the way back to these apostles and people who actually saw Jesus. And then eventually we'll all see him face to face. And and to put it to today as well, I've heard of testimonies of people who have come to faith 
through a different gospel. One will be like, oh, Mark impacted me. And the other one will be John. So even for us today, it impacts us each individually and differently, which is the cool thing about scripture. And and to that too, like I've I've heard stories similar where, you know, maybe you're trying to disciple somebody or introduce them to just what is, what is Christianity anyways? And Mm. Mark being the one we're jumping into, you know, it's, it's shorter. It's, you know, a lot of the summarizing of, of Jesus ministry. So people have used it to be like, Hey, come along and read this with me. Cause it's not a long commitment. You're not Mm-hmm. going through, I mean, there's still obviously going to be complex questions and yeah. stuff you have to dive into, but has been useful to to disciple people at their earliest stages in, in maybe a way that wouldn't resonate with, with other people because John's got too much imagery or Matthew's too long or Luke's too technical. Like, So there's definitely ways to think about it in terms of reaching people with yeah. the story for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know that we... We, we connect differently with different kinds of writing and different kinds of speakers too, mm-hmm. right? And so this gives a variety mm-hmm. to that. So yeah, well, we are going to sign off for now, but wish you all the best as you read um, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, mm. Matthew, and Mark in the month of February. Take care.